Hello and welcome to the RevOp Show. If you ever thought keeping score didn't matter, just ask a group of kids what the score is and see how the game changes. The same thing happens when we start to keep score. Except there are things that can become dangerous when taking a look at the data we're tracking and the things that we're paying attention to. Today, we're addressing these dangers and sharing a bit around what we've done here at Lyft with our scorecards. So with that in mind, let's jump into it. Yes! Doug. Yeah. Let's see, what would, what, what would it sound like if we had a cow hosting this? Oh my God. Yes! Please don't. Please don't. It's more of a goat. It's more of a goat, by the way. It's more of a goat. <laughs> Yeah. Jess, these are important questions. Are they? Yeah. Are what, they? Like, what would it sound like if the Fox was the host, though? <sighs> See what I did there? The internet sensation. What would the Fox say? Yeah, I know. Get it? Oh, my Thanks. gosh. I'm my creative. Wow. This is what this is what you get for a Monday morning recording session, Jess. Yep. Yep. We haven't been recording on Fridays lately. It's been other other mornings. Mornings, afternoons. I guess we did do an afternoon. Okay. It's yeah. like it's like we live in a world, Jess, where location and time is secondary. Oh my god. So so we're actually <laughs> making progress against the space time continuum, aren't we? We are. We are. Yeah. It's pretty Just incredible when you, you think about it. Yeah. I have a very important question for you. You you used to be in the travel industry, right? I did. Why are hotel doors so freaking heavy and thick? I mean like crazy heavy and thick. Now on, on first blush, I think security, right? Right. I think fire. Okay. Yeah. So, like, that doesn't make, make sense. But all of the walls are, like, thin and um, and ridiculous, like, weak. Like, I don't, under, I don't understand. Doug traveled this week, for those of you who didn't key on that. <laughs> well, I, I so travels picked up a little bit the last few times, and I realized. So, I, I stayed at an old hotel um, a few weeks ago when, when Dylan graduated. And so yeah. that door was like super heavy, but I just figured, okay, yeah. it's old hotel. Sure. I mean, I was at the courtyard. I was at a courtyard Marriott yeah. and it wasn't like the door was impossible. It was like, you know, the door was heavy and I'm, and the walls are like nothing. And I'm like, what? I don't understand the point. <laughs> I don't have an answer for you in my, in my time in the travel industry. I never thought to ask that one. I mean, it, it's a legitimate question though, isn't it? It is. It is. I mean, I, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's got something to do with cost. Well, I, I'm sure the thin walls are, yeah. are, are cost, right? But like, why not go with the thin door? <laughs> it's the it's the false sense of security. See, that's what, you know what? That's probably it's, it. It's making you feel safe. The heavier the door, the safer you feel. I feel like I literally see people like because I'm in Florida. But both, both of these trips, by the way, were in Florida. You know, Florida, God's waiting room. Um, <laughs> you, you know what the average age of a resident Floridian is, don't you? I don't yeah. know what it is. It's... Yeah. Oh my I mean, that, God. That's, that's chronologically speaking. Oh um, my God. They're like, I, like I would go to hall and I would see people like struggling to get, like there was one person I almost went to go here. Would you, would you like some help? I can open your door for you. But I kind of, I thought that might get like, I didn't want to know what unexpected consequences were going to come from that. <laughs> oh my God. We're off to, we're off to a productive start. It's going to be great. I mean, it, it's, these are the things that go on in life. and These are the things that you randomly text me at 7 o'clock yeah, on, a, on a Saturday. 
you know what? You didn't you didn't respond to my text last night. I had a, or yesterday afternoon. It was even during the afternoon. What was I had what text? I thought was a great idea. I said we should start a murder podcast. <laughs> That's right. We I mean, they didn't see the rage. Have you been watching um what is it with Steve Martin and Martin Short? I watched that a while ago. No, I, I just I watched uh the um Oh my god, I'm going blank on her, Kaylee. Oh, with, Kaylee Kuko. Yeah, yeah, with uh, Chris Messina, the yeah. case on our two story. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't watched that yet. Um, <laughs> man, I mean, it, it, it's, I mean, I think, I mean, technically, it's a comedy, but it's, right? it's, it's a, it's a bizarro thing. It's, did, did you see the, um, the Drew Barrymore show um, with Tim Oliphant? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Diet? Yeah, so kind of had a it kind of had a piece of that with with a piece of the Steve Martin show with a piece of Dexter. It's like if you put those together and you made. Oh it wow! So it's dark. Okay, I didn't realize it was that dark from the. So like, is it dark? I mean, yeah, it's dark. I guess it's dark. Okay. I guess it's dark. Um, she she. I'll tell you what. Apparently, she did not want to be typecast or something because she went from um, sixteen year old daughter to. Big Bang to some crazy shit. The flight attendant um, on Max, and then yeah, I mean, definitely moving out there. Yep. So it's very, very, uh, very interesting. Um, you know, it's one of those. I definitely didn't dislike it, but I can't decide if I like it. Like, did I like okay. it? I, I don't know if I like. Like, will I will I watch season two? Yeah, I probably will. Okay, and very, one of like those. it kind of it kind of ended. I can't say it was a cliffhanger. It was so it was an, it's an eight episode um original yeah. Peacock series. By the way, everyone made fun of Peacock. And Peacock's not bad, actually. I mean, I gotta tell you, it's really it's it's not bad, especially for old fogies like me. There's all kinds of old shows on it. I don't I don't have I don't have Peacock, but I, I some of my friends do, so I watch there there was another show on Peacock that I was like, this is really good. Like <laughs> Poker Face? Not Poker Face, it was um what is it called uh it's a it's a it's a competition show it has like old oh reality stars on it and they're all competing in a house um i'll tell you what you see i don't watch the reality stuff yeah um, i live reality stuff enough <laughs> um poker face legitimately excellent show legitimately excellent oh okay um yeah but but uh so it, it so it's eight episode and it, it's not a cliffhanger but it's almost like Imagine if they were filming a, I don't know, 16 or 20 episode season mm-hmm. and they just stopped at the end of episode eight. Oh, gotcha. 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 And okay. like, it, it, that's the end of the season. That's the end of the season. Right. So, so again, okay. like it's, it's just like, okay. There, there was a little bit of a, I mean, like in every ep, every episode ends with something that of course causes your, you know, causes a dopamine hit for you to go, okay, well, what, I got to play the next episode. Next. So it was yeah. that, but it wasn't. So again, very, very interesting episode. So hmm. yeah, that was, uh, that was my weekend, Jess. Cool. Heavy doors, thin walls, and uh, another and show about Pe- your podcast. Peacock. Okay. Peacock. Yeah. Peacock. Yeah. Although uh, Peacock and Netflix, I also watched the first two uh, episodes of the new Black Mirror season. Okay. How was it? Clearly taking aim at, at Netflix. Clearly slamming a little, a little slamming the, the hand that feeds. Okay, uh, I was going to say it's on Netflix. 
Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so the, uh, the streaming service that, that they make fun of is called Streamberry. Um, but it, it uses the dot, you know, the, oh, the, the Netflix. Netflix. The, yeah. Yeah. It uses, so I mean, it's very clearly the color scheme out in the layout is, um, you know, it, it's one of those things about black mirror. It, like if you were to go back and watch every Black Mirror episode, you would probably walk away saying this this wasn't as good as I remember it. And and, and I think what it is is there are there are a few episodes that just you know that, that that have been on Black Mirror that just absolutely nail things. Yeah. Um. So and I think it's two things. I think that the shows also that like, they sit with you. Um, yeah. There's some just there, there's some episodes that like so I don't watch it anymore because there's a couple of episodes that like really, really disturbed me that I was like, I can't, I can't little, do little, this. Disturb you a little too close to that, that, and just other, just like, okay, I can't, I don't, you, I don't feel, I don't feel good. Are you talking about the, are you talking about the British prime minister episode? Clearly, obviously that was the first episode. Was that the first one? Yeah. That's the first, I think so. Yeah. That's the first well, one. You know, I saw. It used to be a British series. I, I well, So I watched it before. I watched it before it was popular because I, so I love British TV. I, anything on BBC that, that I can get my hands on, I'll, I'll watch because their television's better than ours. Um, you just like anything that starts with BB because you're a big Bill Bev DeVoe fan, aren't you? Bill Bev DeVoe fan. Yes. <laughs> BBD, BBC. All right, Jess, we better get on topic. Or we I need to. The audience the I day. thought the topic today was to talk about the why why uh, doors are so heavy and why walls are so thin. Yeah, well, you, <laughs> you didn't really feed into it much. I was looking for a little bit more, so we kind of ran out. That one ran out of steam. Yep, yep. All right, today uh, I want to talk about the importance of scoreboard. Well, I actually wanted to talk about scoreboards in general, and and you know the good, the good, the bad, and the ugly of, of scoreboards. We've, we've talked about in the past the importance of the scoreboard and how what you measure matters, but we're going through some stuff internally with scoreboards. Um, so I wanted to talk about the pros and the cons. Yeah, and, and I think that I'm sure we'll get to that. I know what I'm going to – what I've been thinking about is is just firsthand experience. Maybe Maybe this episode <laughs> – I was going to say maybe this episode I'll do a little less pontificating. Like, yeah, that's going to happen. We talk about structure. We talk about the importance of structure. We talk about, we talk about, you know, structure is the invisible hand that guides every action. And, and, and I think the most visible, um, tangible part of structure is the score um, yeah slash the scoreboard so so the scoreboard is what people perceive the score to be okay um and and i think we've talked in episodes previously but if you ever want to know the importance of score we've used this riff before if you ever want to know the importance of keeping score just watch any group of 12 year olds be before and after someone says hey guys or hey gals or hey everybody let's keep score um and what what's important to know is everyone is keeping score. Everyone keeps score, whether you realize that or not, whether the score is conscious or not, everyone is keeping score. Everyone, everyone is there. There is always a level of, 
of internal accounting that is taking place. And that internal accounting is driving all kinds of judgments and inferences. You know, and, and, and you remember going way back with some of the um, advising that we did on team development um, years ago and with smaller companies. You know, we talked about the fact that one of the most important questions that, that people need to have clear answers to is on, you know, am I winning? Yep. Like, that, that's what everyone is, is, you know, at the end of the day, everyone is asking themselves um, the question, am I winning? Am, am, am I winning? And, and so we talk about score. Um, and I think a lot of people mistake what is happening. Mm-hmm. They mistake what the score is, what the scoreboard is. Um, I think that we fail to take into account a lot of the um, psychological and behavioral principles that score drives. And then also, and, and I really thought about this after we decided that this was going to be our topic today. I think that so much of what we, of the way most organizations utilize metrics, scores, et cetera, is based on old, at best old thinking, meaning some things that may have been true a long time ago and aren't true today, um, or at worst, just absolutely flawed thinking, they were actually never true. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of my thought on this. So so let's start with what's the, and, I, and, and we did cover this a little bit in the, in the episode where we talked about scoreboard, what, but what's the what's the reason to have a scoreboard? What's the, what's the pro of, of having a score, like having an official scoreboard that with, with metrics that are tracked by the organization, by the person, what's the benefit? So the benefit is, and and in some ways it might not be so much of a benefit as the elimination of, of what, what, for some reason I can't think of what the opposite of a benefit is. Um, Everyone's keeping score. Mm-hmm. The question is, do you want them keeping score purposefully or, or randomly? Um, do you want them, you know, do you want the score, the, 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 the score that matters to be called out and cleared to everybody? Um, do you want it to be visible when it's visible? And, and remember the most tangible piece of structure is, is the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. When you look at your scoreboard and then you look at your stru- you look at your system design, you look at your, your tools, um, you look at your strategy, are those in alignment with what you're saying the score is, right? And, and so far too often, we, we mistake scores as, as efforts slash activities. Yep. Those are things that we have high levels of control over but they have low causality. They have low influence on, on the actual results. Are you, or, or the score is about results, Mm -hmm. which we have very little control over and, and luck plays a really big role. And, and by the way, we, even when, 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 when you look at results or activities, they're basically two sides of the same coin. Right. Right. So if we're tracking on activities, we're, we're really tracking on results, right? So we might say you need to make a hundred calls. You as a sales rep need to make a hundred calls, but everyone knows that a hundred calls doesn't matter. It's you need to make a hundred calls to generate this result. 
Right. Um, so by the way, if you're going to do activities, you might as well go, go to results. But but when you do results, that that's what leads to resulting, right? And 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 so then so we have we have all these things that are that are so connected to results. And then we ask, why are our people being tentative? Why are they not taking a risk? Why are they um, right? Well, because because they're resulting. The by the way, resulting for those of you who don't know is is the tendency. It's a poker term. It's the tendency to judge the decisions that you make, the actions that you take on the results. It, it is literally judging your decisions and actions through an, you know, in hindsight, not, yep, you know, what led to me making that decision. Um, so when you do that, you end up flailing. In poker, they would say we tilt. By the way, how many people are running on tilt today in business? Yep. Answer a lot. Um, so, so, what our objective is, is to get to uh, what I like to call outcomes. What are those, what are those things that we have a reasonable degree of control over a reasonable degree of influence and have a reasonably strong causal relationship, right? So that, you know, if I have a good at bat in baseball, yep. if I continue to have good at bats, then life will take care of itself. So, so I'll give you a great, I'll give you a great example in baseball of, of how they use outcomes, mm-hmm. not results, but not activities. So there's a, there's a metric called batting average of balls put in place. Yep. BBI, BBIP. Um, and, and so I was watching the game last week and the announcer says, yeah, he this pitcher has had some bad luck. He he's doing, you know, he's doing better than 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 some of his numbers look like. As an example, he there's a 345 batting average of balls in place against him right now, which is significantly above mm-hmm. what would be expected. Right? And and yep. so you know, what happens is a ball gets hit I don't control where the ball goes. Now, the opposite side of that is what's the batter's batting average of balls in place. So, so by the way, I, you know, earlier this year, uh, a hitter was like, okay, well, you know, he's faced a lot of bad luck. His batting average balls in place is, is like 205 right now, whereas the average would be 265. Like I think the average at that time in the league was 265. And sure enough, by the way, over the next six weeks, his numbers went up. He didn't really change anything. It's just there's there's that aspect of luck. And so what what baseball is doing, um, it, it's why they look at um, batting average. I'm sorry, not batting average. At at how hard a ball is hit. If I if I make good contact, which would be measured by how hard the ball is hit, there's going to be a you know everything after that is luck. The only thing I can the only thing I have any control over is how well do I make contact. Right. And, and, and so the reason that you have a visible scoreboard, the, the, you know, the benefit to this is, is to really call out what are those things that we've identified? What are those things that we believe lead to the outcomes that we're looking for? Okay. And so without that, without that, you, you don't have anything that, that approaches um, alignment. You can't have alignment okay. without that. Okay. So what's the downside of putting a scoreboard in place or what are, what are some of the impacts, negative impacts of putting a scoreboard in place? 
I believe it's the Heisenberg principle that says um, the moment you put something under observation, behavior change. So once I know you're observing me, my behavior changes. Good Art's law says a in, in any any valuable metric um, stops being a valuable metric once it gets used as an objective. So so for example, this is my favorite. This is my favorite favorite example. Um, uh, an email gets a ten percent click through rate, ten percent mm-hmm. click rate, whatever. Which ten um, percent click rate because mm-hmm. click through rate would be high, right? And we say, and the, and the email was really successful. We say the email was people say the email was successful because it had a ten percent click rate. So we uh, we establish that as an objective. See, when we have a high click rate, which we have a fair degree of control of, right? Because we can think about what would make something sure, right? So we make click rate the the metric when when in fact the email wasn't successful because it had a 10% click rate it had a 10% click rate because the email was successful so once we turn that into the score and we put it on the scoreboard and we say 10% click rate equals winning shortly after that we had this term you know a term came into the lexicon called clickbait we started yep. pursuing clicks rather than and so anytime you take a metric and you say this you're reductive yep it's reductive. Um, it is far more complex then. And, and what happens is everyone looks at it and says, okay, winning, losing. Right. So it, 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 it now, like why have metrics? This is something I've been struggling with for a long time. No, seriously, I haven't. I know. No, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm chuckling because I'm, I'm aware. Be, because I love data. Yep. I, I, my ideal dashboard, I think, has 117 <laughs> distinct metrics. Yeah. Right? Because anything, if I were to take out any of the, by the way, it's all, it's still reductive, but if I were to take out more, it would be unacceptably right. reductive. Right. Um, now, the truth is for an expert, that mm-hmm. is what a good dashboard looks like. All you have to do is take a look at the cockpit. Of, right. Right. All of those things matter in certain, you know, if this, then that, yada, yada, yada. So why, why do we have metrics? Why, why do we track them? Um, I think that the real reason is, and I, and I got to give credit to Dan Sullivan, the founder of Strategic Coach, on, on this phrase, right? All progress begins with honesty. Yeah. All progress begins with honesty. The problem is we never know what, what the real picture is. Right. We are very strong intuitively humans are very strong intuitive creatures um we are very good with heuristics but but at the end of every day everybody goes home before you know as they put their head on the pillow and maybe before whether they realize it or not they ask the question am i winning yeah and their brains work insanely hard Mm -hmm. and are insanely creative to always be able to answer that question with a yes. <laughs> right? So we will meld reality. Right. To I am winning. Yeah. Because that's really the only way that we can move forward. Sure. What? So without metrics, we, we, no one sees things the same. No one has picture there. There's, there's your honesty. There's my honesty. There's your perceived honesty. Like I don't even, I'm not even seeing what I'm actually seeing. Right. I'm, I'm at best seeing the rationalization of what I'm seeing. Right. And I can only see what I'm looking for and all those different things. So there's a whole lot of 
just brain trash that's going in. And, and as you multiply that with, with, you know, 17, 1700 people, you get exponentially greater complexity. And so what metrics are trying to do, what you should be striving to do with your metrics is to bring everybody as, as clear a picture so that we're looking at the same, and, and, you know, this is what source of truth, I think really means. Are we, are, are we getting the same picture of, of honesty? Where are we now? Where are things now relative to where we need to be? There's a whole lot of other reasons that people use metrics or think they use metrics, which I think get them in trouble. And I'm sure we'll go over some of that today. So um, I think the next thing I want to talk about is what we kind of saw as we rolled out a scoreboard, which is. Well, to be clear, this isn't the first scoreboard. This is like something that we've noticed, you know, in our, in our most recent update. Yeah. 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 So the, we, so we, we track points for, we use points for um, activities that are completed. and, And so we're using that as a, as a, indicator of what's been done and in resource allocation Mm -hmm. and those types of things. What's happened is the team is now focused on points from the standpoint that they're worried that they're going to count against them or they're going to be used like, like, and and how do you avoid that from, from happening is going to be my, my follow-up to it. (laughs) Why is it happening and how? Well, here's what's funny. You have a few things. Okay. Because in, in this latest go around in our, in our update, we actually took away the weighting of, of points on, on the measurement of you. And, and I'm blown away by, by freaked is probably an overstatement, but the, the reaction that it got. Yeah. I don't know that free, I don't know if freaked out is, is really an overstatement, but, but I gotcha. (laughs) Um, so in, in a, in a previous episode, when we talked about data, um, mm-hmm. and, and, and using that, I, I, I shared, uh, some of the interview that Michael Lewis did with Bill James. Bill James is, is the founder, you know, is the father of Saber Matrix, which is the basis of all the advanced analytics in basically all sports. And, and Bill James, who created the whole idea, um, has actually become a detractor of advanced analytics. And, and, and the reason is he has always said that, the data is valuable because they because it stimulates better thinking. You, right. you ask better questions. Data is is dangerous when it replaces the thinking. So when you're using data to stimulate questions, it's powerful. When you're using data to to provide answers, especially to provide value answers, value based answers, to make judgments, it is not. And so increasingly, like when one of the metrics that he hates the most. Which, which, by the way, you would think that the father of sabermetrics would be the biggest proponent of of what's called war, wins over replacement. Yep. Right. Um, which, which basically is this very complicated calculation to say, based on the total performance offensively and defensively of this person, how many wins over an average player in this person's position has this person contributed to? Yeah. And so, by the way, war gets used in contract negotiations. You know, if if the if it's a high war, then of course the player's agent is saying this, you know, this person is in the top 3 people of 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 blah blah blah, right? And all this goes on. 
the the moment you put on a metric, the the moment you say this is on the scoreboard, yep, everyone immediately goes to judgment, right? Yep. So so what's going to happen is this number means winning or losing. It do, it doesn't matter whether you say it doesn't matter whether there's an incentive on it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if there's you know if you announced it. There will be no penalty. Like all, all the it's just immediately. Oh, that's what must that that must be what matters. Yeah. The the other thing that's happening is everything underneath it. So so by the way, what what ends up happening is everyone looks at that number and immediately turns it into a grade. We we we've been so inoculated with industrial age thinking. Um, we've been so inoculated with red work mindset. Yeah. Do 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 do. I am judged by how I do. Mm-hmm. Um, that. Even when you're actively managing to the opposite, that is that is gravity. So your gravity is always pulling into this number is means I'll be judged. Um, if you have a higher number than than someone is saying you are better, and and yep, that means you're winning and I'm not winning. And by the way, there are people that 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 behave past that, but that that's our reptilian brain. That that's how we're all programmed. Okay, so all those things are going on. Um. Then you're looking at everything else, right? To say, are we really playing to that, right? So, so we say things like, "Do what's best for the customer." Yep. But our P Club reward, or our like all of these things come about, and and the question is, do you align? The other thing that happens is. There, there's a term that I hate, and, and this is where my thinking has really changed over the last decade. Managed by the numbers. That's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Managed by the numbers is a complete abdication of management. And Because when they say managed by the numbers, it means I don't have to manage. If the numbers are clear, you can manage yourself. So managed by the numbers is really managed to the numbers. Yeah. So that is to say, game the system. So if managed by the numbers, look, my job is to give you the targets. And so I say 10% click rate, then, then if you get a 10% click rate with click, with clickbait, I can't, I can't complain about that. Sure. Because now I say, no, no, come on. You got to know what it means. You got to look, you got to look at the spirit of the rule. You got to look at the spirit of the number. Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) that's not what you told me. (laughs) Well, but, but where am I supposed to get that? Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. Yep. Well, well, so, so clear numbers make make managing and growing easier mm-hmm. because without them it's impossible right but it doesn't make it easy because again the moment you start calling out specific numbers you're 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 putting a you're putting a funhouse mirror in, yeah. in in place and and so there's a level of and by the way I'm not saying that this is necessarily bad but but I think that I, I think that what what is happening what 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 is important. Well, let, let me take a step back. So we announced some changes in 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 what our key internal productivity metrics are, yep. and and it spooked everybody. Yep. You say freaked. I say freaked might be an overstatement. Do do you think the numbers are what freaked them? Well, I don't think so. Well, no, because like we're we're meaningfully changing like the way that that we're tracking and and how who we're allocating to. Are we? Are we I think people are worried. 
they're not going to get credit. <laughs> I think it's all about credit. <laughs> but but here's the thing that's bizarre. Have have we in in the old before we changed the numbers were we were we giving credit were were was someone being was was there some reward or or some psychological no. reward or punishment right okay. so no. so why so so what's what's causing this we had said here's where the you know like when you say this is the scoreboard mm-hmm. so so you know if you play football average yards per game is not on the scoreboard yeah by the way batting average of balls in play is not on the not scoreboard. on the scoreboard right so I can have a very high batting I can have the highest batting average of balls in play and lose yep. So where I think everyone's spooked is what I think spooked everybody is that, um, again, the danger of, of the scoreboard is it's reductive. Yep. And our brains are lazy. Yep. And so we said, this is what matters. And we got reductive to this. Yep. And by the way, the whole point of what we were doing was we were trying to get a picture of honesty. We were trying to figure things out. We, we think, a large part of like the weakest element of our process of our program management is that, is that actions are being done. Activities are being taken and they're not logged anywhere. They don't show up anywhere. So we don't know that they're happening. Right. So we don't know how to allocate for that in the future. Right. And so by, by crediting, you know, and, and, and we did succeed at increasing the awareness of this and, 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 and we've learned along the way, but, but we haven't fully learned. And even though there was no punishment or no reward, it was still, okay, I did this and, and whatever my number was, okay, I hadn't gotten in trouble. So that means I'm okay. Okay, well, now we're changing the number. Yeah. And, and actually, here, here's, I'm going to say our failure, but failure is probably the wrong word because I don't know. I mean, certainly we wouldn't have known before this and I don't, and it might just be, it's a feature, not a bug. It, 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 it's a path up. But the failure would be, and probably in a perfect world, we would have identified the change and and enrolled and it implemented the change differently by teaching the context first. Mm-hmm. So that when we changed the numbers, there was already an understanding. There was maybe even already a now, I do think with some other things that we're doing, what's going to happen over the next four to six weeks, because that's not the only thing that we're changing, yeah. is it, things are going to, they, they are going to, oh, I get this and, 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 and the context will be clearer. But, but, I, but when you change the scoreboard, mm-hmm. you change the game. Yeah. So actually what, 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 what you sparked for me is this, this is change management. And so I'm, I'm, I'm talking to one client specifically about this right now with, in regards to them with a CRM rollout and, and explaining to them the, the, that it's a process. It's not just one day you decide you cut over and everybody, everybody changes. You got to build understanding and connect the, connect those dots. Well, that that's true and not true. Cause again, so as, as we're talking right now, I'm actually battling in my head. Um, and actually talking it out loud, I'm now thinking that maybe we did like maybe, so, so the idea of build the context before you make the change mm-hmm. sounds great in theory. I mean, when I said it, I thought that sounds really great, but never underestimate 
the the power of someone to be committed to their status quo. Yeah. And and sure. And and there is only so much context that you can give. Yep. So so and and I mean the only way See, that it's, you it's could funny ev- that you brought that up because I feel like we did give context, but I also have much more context in this instance to what's going on because I've got visibility to the, to the background. So that I <laughs> Yeah, but but some of the questions that they have, they don't know what some of the terms mean, right, right, et cetera. Right, right. That, yeah. that, but 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 here's so the only way that you could theoretically give everybody full context is that everybody's involved in everything. And if everybody is involved in everything, A, you you really lose any level of efficiency. It's really hard to get anything done. But B, I don't even think that you create a whole lot of context if everybody's involved in everything. Yep. Heck, we had three people. We have three people right now that are quote unquote involved. Like our vector alignment team right now is three people. Yep. So we all see the same things. We don't agree. No. Right. So if we had 27 people, we'd have, right. So, so at the end of the day, someone has to make that choice. Right. When you change the scoreboard, you change the game. Yep. When you change the scoreboard, there's a shock to the system. So, so yes, it's not like, I know the context of what you're saying, but, but so yes, it's not overnight, but it is also overnight. And if it's not overnight, then it will never happen in that at some point, Okay, today's the day. Yeah. This is what we're doing, right? We're moving here. So today's the day. This is the metric. Now, yeah. now realize one of the reasons why, like, is it okay that they're freaked out? I mean, I'd rather that they'd be not freaked out, but the option would be stay in the buy-in phase and never get to anything, right? So, right. So the key to, like, change is not buy-in, then action. It's action, right? then then result, then learn, then action. And buy-in happens. Buy-in is an active sport. It's not a passive sport, right? We buy yeah. in by doing. Yeah. And, and, and we also have to understand that a lot of people more, I would say 80% of humans, 80% of people are, are present oriented people, which means when you're not, when you're talking about something that they're not doing, it's not understood and it's going to be perceived as scarier or more dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, we, you know, we talked about there are future, you know, there's future focused people, there's present focused people. Um, and that's not to say that present focused people can't think about the future. It's just the way they think about it. Like if you talk about, Hey, if we did this, this, and this, I'm like, no, 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 no. But then yeah. you come in, I mean, I like, you know, Dan, Dan Sullivan calls them future company and present company. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, you talk to a present company person about, Hey, we're thinking about this new offering. It'd be this, this, this. And, and your, you know, head of operations, who's a present company person goes, Oh, well, that's going to cause this, you know, we can't do that because of this, 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 and that could happen. And this could happen. And this other thing could happen versus, okay, someone just wrote us a check for X for us to do this. What do we need to do? Oh, well, we need to do this and we need to do this. We'll get this in place. Like they just respond completely differently. Right. Right? And and, and so, you know, the thing about change is more often than not, change is not the the problem. Change is not what causes, change doesn't cause the anxiety. It's the anticipation of change. Yeah. Right. And and, and so there is an element that says, hey, let's do this. But but I think that, see, here's what I think is totally screwed up. I th- I think that we 
we tie too many things to these metrics. Okay. And, and, and I'm really struggling here because like, this is, this is a, anything we say right now, unless, unless we can make this like a 34 hour episode is going to be reductive. (laughs) I, I am, I am really struggling with this idea around incentive compensation. Okay. Here's your metrics. Mm-hmm. You you won't be punished for these metrics, but if you achieve these metrics, this is your bonus. And here's this, and right. here's this. Okay. Well, if you're going to bonus me on that, like, why am I going to bonus you? Theoretically, I'm bonusing you because I'm going to increase motivation. Right. But that's bullshit. <laughs> that's bullshit. Why is that bullshit? It, because that's because um. Because it doesn't motivate. First off, the idea that external resources motivate as a whole. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm re-listening to, to Leadership is Language. And, and Marquette says this in more than one place. He says, we use terms like motivate and inspire. And what we, what we really mean is coerce. <laughs> and comply. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, there, 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 there are plenty of studies. That, that, that show the impact of, of financial incentives to, to actual mo- motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they show is any level of motivation only goes up to a certain, um, you know, when, when, once somebody is, is making a certain amount of, of money, it no longer motivates. Right. It, it doesn't mean that, you know, the salesperson who's making a quarter million dollars and and is playing the comp plan because they're going to get four hundred thousand dollars. Doesn't mean they're not going to push it for four hundred thousand dollars, but but you're not actually motivating them. They're, they're not actually right. Um, and 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 by the way, what they're probably doing, and you can see this even when I am in a lower comp where that money does quote unquote motivate me. Mm-hmm. And 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 I'll pull back on something in a second on the on the comp on 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 the quarter million to four hundred thousand dollar motivation. What I'm motivated by is the psychological safety and need for more money. So, so what I'm going to do is like what, whatever your 10% click rate is. Yep. That is what I'm going to do. I'm going to lie. I'm going to cheat and I'm going to steal. And all you have to do is take a look at Wells Fargo, Uber, any um, Enron who showed that, that when that became the motivation what what you lost was any yep you you lost any humanity right when i'm the sales rep i mean so question number 1 do you want people that are motivated only for themselves at your company like is that the core group of people that you want probably not no. by the way most people are not motivated that, that way yeah we we are we are tribal creatures we are we are social creatures we 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 want to do well right we want to benefit others. That that that's a common thing that's happening. Um, now, I've seen people abuse this. So, like, like I'm not suggesting. Gee, I'm gonna, you know, all the rewards go to, um, go to the owner. I mean, I I'm not against all the rewards going to the owner, but <laughs> right. So so you you have this this. Like the moment you put the moment you put a reward in there, especially when you when you tie it to a score, 
you're, you're creating, you're creating win-lose, right? And, yeah. and so, you know, that, that's why people are behaving that way. If, if what our goal is, is to say this, like, let's all get to where honesty is. Let's all get as clear as we can to, to what is the destination. Let's figure out how we do better. Let's win games. Yep. Right. Um, now I, this does not say that every, um, every person gets paid the same different roles have different levels of, of expertise and requirements. Yep. Um, so, so like, again, all of these things come, come together. And as we start the, you know, the way we're managing comp is, is creating this underlying, it, it creates an underlying disproportionate focus on efficiency, which, which is having the net effect of, we're basically sucking blood from the future into the present. And that's why all, like, if you take a look at these, if you take a look at the companies that really use metrics to drive behavior and performance, you're typically looking at the do it with a degree of success. And by the way, we look past all the people that try to do the same thing and fail. Right. But you see companies in this high growth phase that, that are funded. So, so a, they're spending an artificial amount of money today because of what, you know, what it can quote unquote do for them in the future. And you're basically just trying to pull the future into the present and you're creating these, I mean, you, you're, you're, you're creating these nets of, uh, or, or, or these environments of, you know, major overreaction. So we overhire, we lay off, like all, everything that we're dealing with today. And at the same time, underlying trust levels across the board, internally, externally go down. Now, I'm not saying that if you had, you know, if you've just raised $35 million, that's the game. You know, maybe you've signed up to play that game and that's a game that you have to play. Right. Yeah. But if you haven't signed up for that, if, if you don't have the $35 million, should you be playing that game? See, all of this is still based in the idea that, that blue workers, deciders decide for the doers, the doers do and yep. don't think. And, and and the way we get you not to think, it's so like this whole key metric game that that we apply to the um to the play is an industrial age play that says yeah. don't think. Your job is to produce 100 widgets a day. If you right. produce 100 widgets a day, you get this. If you get if you produce 120 widgets, you get this. By the way, if I say to the sales rep that's making a quarter million dollars and I give them this incentive and you'll make four hundred thousand dollars, what I am trying to say is don't think. Yeah. Yeah. Do this, do this, do this. And oh, by the way, next year, because we saw all the things that you did trying to game the quote unquote game, the system. Yeah. We're now changing the comp plan because now we want you to do this. And so what we're doing is we're asking you not to think. Right. And so as we circle back to the beginning, if I can say, um, two hundredths, the number, well, that's not fair. Right. <laughs> And again, remember, and I don't want to tell people what 200 means because I don't want to get into the weeds. Right. Yep. But unequivocally, 200 is is achievable because of what 200 means. Right. In in the contract of what was happening, no, it wasn't achievable because things are being missed or or things are being miscalculated. But no one's like. Yep. And 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 so what that number what a number does going back to the downside what the number does. 
is it replaces thinking. So what does management need to do? What is what does the organization need to do is we need to build the context around that. And what we have to do, especially for numbers that are truly going to drive performance, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. truly going to drive improvement. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you want to have numbers for pure performance, you know, I need to think about that. That's probably worth a conversation. But if you're going to have numbers that are supposed to drive improvement, that are supposed to drive progress, all progress begins with the truth. The purpose of the numbers, the purpose of that tracking is so we can get as close to quote unquote, the truth as possible. And so that we're all playing with the quote unquote, same truth. And if you put reward systems and penalty systems on that, if you don't make it safe, like if, if you're not teaching the context around that and how to talk about that, then, then you're not building the capability in your organization. You, you've got the benefit that there are far more markets that you're going to grow in than you're not going to grow in just because the wind's at your back. In a, you know, on a, in a, there's always at least, a, you know, there's more often a gentle breeze with you than a headwind. Right. Um, you, you're going to learn a lot of the wrong lessons. The moment you start putting judgments on your metrics... That's the moment everyone goes into resulting behavior, restrictive behavior, and you actually encourage hiding things, et cetera. What we're trying to do, the organization of tomorrow is, is, the, is the doer decider. It's the doer thinker. It, it's, it then works collaboratively in a larger place and, and teaching yep. that basis of that conversation. You can't do it without the scoreboard, but we've got millennia of experience that we have to overcome so that it can be managed effectively. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. I have some key takeaways. Uh, looking at the same picture of honesty, you hit on that at the end. I think that's super important without the scoreboard. You can't have alignment. We've talked about that before, but I think that's important to call out when you change the scoreboard, you change the game. And then I think the most important thing here is you know, there's there's heuristics involved in this. It's it's not just about the number, and so it really needs to be based on outcomes and not activities and results when we're looking at these things. And I think the the scoreboard should prompt that conversation. Like it's it is it is about measuring it, but it's also about having that that conversation with your with your team. You know, the more I think about it, <clears throat> if if we're playing an infinite game, which is mm-hmm. what I think we should be playing. Yep. And don't get me wrong, there, there are times when you are playing a finite game. You know, if, if, if you've gotten funding and you need to go to X, you, you've just yeah. said, hey, you know what? In the context of an infinite game, I'm playing this finite game over here. Right. Um, if, if you're in trouble, if, if linear TV, yeah, they're probably playing a finite game. But, but if you're in that finite game, your objective should not be, that's like wartime, peacetime. Wartime is a finite game. If you're in that finite game, your primary goal should be to get back to playing an infinite game, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And, and this is going to go old school. This is going to go back to Peter Sang um, of, of uh, Wharton Business School. Okay. Um, who had a best-selling book. Everyone, it, was a, it was the book everyone was going crazy over for about five years called The Fifth Discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the key capability of, a, of an infinite game organization is it's a learning organization. It's got a learning capability. The, yep. the purpose of your metric, the purpose of your scoreboard is to stimulate learning without, without a scoreboard, you can't close the loop without a scoreboard. You can't, 
you cannot complete an experiment. Right. right? And, and so what, what needs to happen is the more we can make learning, the rate of learning, the impact of learning, the, the key metric and the score is a means to stimulate learning. And it's not, did I win? Did I beat the metric? It's, did I learn? What right. did I learn? Right. So if we're saying here's the number because we're trying to drive productivity in pursuit of that number. What am I learning? Yep. Right. In the pursuit of, of a thousand batting average, what am I learning? Yep. Right. Yep. That, that is the key. The more that, that, that each person in an organization can, can increase their rate of learning with an alignment of vectors, the stronger, the more efficient and the more powerful and resilient that organization becomes. And, and as we go into an AI future where, you know, the, the core of efficiency is, is repetition. The core of efficiency is, is elimination of variation. And increasingly, all of those things are going to be done far, far better and far, far faster without a person than with a person. So when right. we think about an organization, which is a grouping of people, the key is how do they become powerful elements of learning that, yep. that come together? I think that's the strength that, that wins the future. Yep. I agree. This was a good conversation. And so we're going to try it again. We began, we began the week with, with the RevOps show. We're going to see, can we end the week with the RevOps can show? We end, can we end I'm, it with the RevOps show? We'll, we'll I'm, see. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. I knew you would be. <laughs> Until next time, everybody. Bye. And that's a wrap on this episode of the RevOps show. If you're using a scorecard, it's important to make sure that what you're tracking is clear and isn't bullshit. The way we've done scorecards here at Lyft, in my opinion, has made it so that what I'm being tracked on makes sense for me and is valuable for me and the company. Anywho, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to go subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. Leave us a review and share the episode. We would really appreciate it. If you have any questions you would like to ask Doug or just about scorecards, email me at hannah at liftenablement.com. I, in my opinion, really think that the scorecards that we've got, um, are great. Jess and Doug did a great job of putting those together. So if you do have any questions, let me know. You can also hit us up on Twitter at Demand Creator. And until next time, remember, you can't solve your upstream problems downstream.